0: to describe yourself um how would you, what would you say
1: i would say i was very naive
0: mm, yeah good one good word i
1: had just graduated college in may of 2019 right so i don't know i think i was i just think about all the things that have happened since then and how i thought my life would be and how it's not and so mm. yeah i would say naive
0: good more good or bad What'd you say? I would say good. Good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that about you. Well, needless to say, knowing you since twenty nineteen, and then the time that we met to kind of go over like you know basically what we we're going to talk about, what your kind of life situation was, just overall you, I felt like I I found more about found out more about you in the time that we talked over the Google Meet for forty minutes. More than I have for two years. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's an issue?
1: Um, in my opinion, yeah.
0: In your but, opinion, okay.
1: But I don't think it's like an issue like on your end or my end. I think just.
0: I would, I would push back and say it's because you never wanted to share that information.
1: I would say, yeah. You yeah, know. I want to share, but also like.
0: I don't want to push either.
1: Yeah, I think it's both.
0: Because <laughs> I did know, and like I said, I'm going to let you talk about it a little bit more. But I did know that you were adopted, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of stuff in between that i did not know about and i was like oh, wow I'm taking notes you know just jotting down stuff yeah but i think it would be great to kind of talk or let you share you know what your story was like back at that age because i think it's important you mm-hmm. know for working and what you work in now what you i feel like i've always known you as a person who cares about kids right you know and your story says a lot about that i think your why is based off of kind of what you went through, so if you could kind of start with you know you living in Tucson and what that lifestyle was like for you,
1: okay, um I would say growing up in Tucson was a good time, but in all honesty, I think growing up with the family that I had was rough, obviously right. um I lived with both my parents up until I was like two years old. Mm-hmm parents separated and then my mom got remarried to my stepdad they had my sister when I was about like six years old um and I think from the ages of six to 12 it was not terrible like I had a place to live I had food I had all that kind of stuff but like the things that a kid needs like yeah. the
0: emotional stuff wasn't there do you do you feel that six years old did you feel like it was a priority for you to start taking care of your sister as more of like a second mom figure
1: oh for sure Yeah, I think as long as I can remember, I've always seen myself as more of like a mom to her than I have as a sister. I mean, that's changed as we've gotten older, but yeah.
0: Do you think that there was a certain age where she didn't really want that anymore and you maybe weren't, you know, open minded to just letting yourself be a sister to her? Mm -hmm. Do you think that played out a little bit more when she got older?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually what stage of life we are in right now like okay. she's about to be 20 so yeah she's grown so she right. doesn't need me telling her what to do and so it's been an adjustment like i've been able to be able to relate with her in a way i haven't because there's that six okay. year age difference but yeah. we're at a place where it's like oh like i see you as like a young woman now and so that's where we are right now
0: and that's good it's always good to know that you you know you transitioned and i feel like that's important especially for someone that comes off very strong you're I would describe you as a person who is very strong in their feelings towards others. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of your emotions are not based off of but have a lot to do with people you care about. You want to see the people you care about be happy. Right. Um but to go back to obviously when you were 6 years old, you know, with your sister, talk to me about like what that was like not really getting the attention that you felt like you deserved.
1: Um I think at a young age I thought it was normal. So okay. You know, having to like wonder, like, does my mom love me or mm-hmm. why am I not getting these things? Like, I just thought it was normal. And then okay. I would see stuff, obviously, like on TV or something. And I was like, oh, well, that's different. But it was just something that I honestly just like adapted to. OK. Um, And of course, like my feelings are my feelings. So I would feel a certain way. But at the same time, I was like, this is all I know. So it is what it is.
0: <laughs> Did you ever share that with your family?
1: I didn't. I mean, I remember being young and like asking my mom, like, do you love me? And her being. Oh, wow her like i don't have to tell you that like you have food you have a house oh i do this and i was like i remember being like eight years old and being like really
0: yeah that young yeah Mm -hmm. how did you feel when she
1: um definitely something in me like even though i thought it was like normal something in me was like okay well that's not right like why can't you just say it type of thing um but at the same time i was like well i guess it's true like i got a house i got food like Maybe that's the way she can. Yeah. But I think it also goes deeper than that because like just knowing the way like she was raised and how like Mm
0: -hmm. she was
1: loved, like it just makes sense.
0: But do you think at at six or, you know, six years old or seven years old, is that your job to justify that for her? Or do you feel Mm -hmm. like you feel like it's something that regardless, parents should kind of learn maybe how their kids want to be loved? I, yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think it should ever be up to a kid to. Yeah. 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 I think it's hard to beg for their parents' love in any kind of way or like question that, like you're a kid, there's no way.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's got to be hard. And I come from a, you know, you've met my parents and very loving people, very nice family oriented people. And when people tell me that like friends or in this case, you know, someone that's really close to me tells me that that was the answer at one point. I get kind of like confused because I can never see my parents saying that to me, you know, like, oh, you have this, you have that, like be grateful for that. Of course I do. I think justification and knowing that you lo- you're loved by someone, especially at a young age is important. You know, wouldn't you say especially for working with kids from all different ages, I feel like it's just as important for ones that are 6 for the ones that are 15, 16, 17 years old. For sure. You know. Um so what did that lead to, you know, in result of Maybe that being always a, a commentary or an action that was shown to you. What did love mean to you when you got to your like preteen ages?
1: Um, I think love to me seemed like conditional. Okay. Like um, it was more of like giving people mm. things or receiving right. things rather than like being there for people emotionally. Um, like I really don't think I started telling people I love them until like my junior year of high school. Really? Yeah. Because it was just difficult for me to, like, even...
0: Did you know what love was? Do oh, no. You no? Know?
1: I think I thought I knew what love was, but I obviously What did you didn't.
0: think, if you can um, kind of go back to that?
1: Honestly, I think as, like, a young, like, a preteen going to, like, my teenage yeah. what I would say I probably define love as, like, if someone buys you stuff or gives you things mm-hmm. or tries to hang out with you, then they love you. Or if they say that they love you, then... You've never heard that before, so you just gotta believe it's true. Right. It so
0: it sense. makes sense why you wouldn't say that at that young age because how many kids that age have money to be able to show yeah. what love is if Not that's me. really how you interpret it? Not me. Sheesh. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think very many 12-year-olds could do that. <laughs> so, you know, you're in the stage where you're you're looking at love from a different angle than maybe some other kids are. Was that easier or difficult to come across making friends or like being able to connect with other people that were your age?
1: Um I would say so. I think even at a young age, I've noticed that I really do value like female friendships. And I really believe that has to do a lot with like my relationship with my mom. Got it. So I think I would always have like expectations, even as a kid about like what I wanted my friendships to be like. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't receive that, then like it would like cause me to withdraw or to like shut people out, like even in like elementary school.
0: So in a way, your relationship with your mom, you know, at that age, kind of benefited you because you knew what you wanted in a friendship. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um and now I would say do you feel like was there any type of animosity towards your mom with maybe some words that she chose to say to you or something that she didn't choose to do? Is there mm-hmm. any yeah. of that left over or do you feel like you're completely, you know, at peace with everything that was happening at that moment in your life?
1: Yeah, I feel like every year I get better and I grow. Okay. Um, it's kind of a difficult situation cause it's, she's not alive. So right. I'm not able to like rectify that relationship. Um, and the last time, like I spoke to her, was when I was like 12. And so I would say in different phases of my life, it's different. Like there's some phases where I'm like, wow, like I'm really struggling with it. And there's some times uh-huh. where I'm like, oh, I forgive you. Like, I understand. Like, it really just depends, honestly. Yeah.
0: And I appreciate you for kind of talking about that and making it known that there are some things that you haven't come at fully at full peace with. Mm-hmm. I think it's important and I I've pride you in that because I think sometimes I can get caught up in certain things that I'm not really fully at peace with. But like you said, every year it's almost like a chunk it just gets filled in with that mm-hmm. happiness or that memory that was good at one point. Um what did you love about her the most?
1: She was really strong. I think like knowing what I knew, like she went through in her life, like uh-huh. and that she was still able to overcome a lot of stuff. Like she was this really strong woman.
0: Do you see some characteristics from her in you now?
1: Yes. Good yes. and bad.
0: <laughs> we can talk about the good. Let's talk about the good. Okay. Let's stay on the good side of things.
1: I mean, I don't want to be overly confident or cocky, but yeah, I'm a strong mm-hmm. woman too. Like based off things that have happened to me, like I'm able to rise above and get back on it. Um And then also she... I remember being like 4 years old and yeah. she literally had her own daycare at her house wow. with neighborhood really? kids and I remember in kindergarten she worked at the daycare that I was going to. And so she also had like a passion for working with kids too
0: and That's I think amazing. I
1: definitely got that from her.
0: Isn't that funny how things work out that way? It's
1: weird. <laughs> but,
0: I think it's I think it's great. Yeah. I think it comes full circle and I I was having this conversation and I I think a trained like a trained mindset is a mindset that is going to lead to maybe a successful career or the successful result of what your parents or people that care about you wanted or put you around and surround you around. Mm -hmm. I see you as a person who cares for people. And again, more learning about your mom. And we never really talked about your mom. I know we talked a little bit more about your dad, but I never knew a lot about your mom. But knowing that she had a daycare you know, that young and maybe not even as organized as anyone else that has a daycare facility, she still cared for people. And I think that's awesome because I do see that in you. I do see, you know, that mom aspect in you where it's like, you want to make sure everyone's taken care of, even if no one else is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I love that. I really do because I think it kind of, in this case justifies what I'm about to ask you next into the, the action that you took when you didn't feel that love, you know, you turned out good. But it wasn't always good from what I learned on that meeting with you. So let's talk to me about the the custody and, you know, what it was like to be in a foster care facility and how that works. Because I feel like not a lot of people know what the process is and, you know, what that looks like for a kid that's in there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll start by saying, like, it looks different for every single kid because every okay. situation is so different. Right. So I can only speak on my experience and just, like, overall general stuff about uh-huh um cps but i would say for me like i said my mom passed away when i was 12 um my sister and i got put into cps custody like shortly after that because my stepdad and stuff um and in my experience you know i think just based off the situation obviously but the way that i was brought up i just kind of rebelled towards any kind of like affection or anything so i would be running away from foster homes I was in our group homes. They called you the runner. Oh, yeah, I was a runner. (laughs) Um, You know, I was separated from my sister, so that's another thing that I'm sure played, like, a huge part into me. I honestly, it's weird to think about that time because I feel like it's, like, a blur. I don't know if it's, like, I don't know if you've heard about that, but kids who've gone through trauma, like, their memories are so messed up. But what I can remember is just, like, I was looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, hanging out with boys, doing drugs, sneaking out, doing that kind of stuff, all the way up until... My junior year of high school.
0: So you spent your time in foster care from twelve to seventeen, 17 years old.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Were you, I don't know how to ask this, but was every year more of a hit on your hope to find a family?
1: It was because when I had first gotten to CPS custody, my sister and I were separated.
0: Right.
1: Different foster homes. Then we actually were put together with one of my oh, aunts. Okay. Found out she was doing some really shitty stuff. Got taken out of her placement, split up again. And then I was in this really good group home for a while. And that was really good. But of course, like, those are a lot of like fundamental ages that I was there. And so, of course, like, I really struggled with that. And so in my head, my plan was when I turn 18, I'm going to age out of the system and figure it out on my own. But that's obviously not what happened.
0: So you come to a point to where. You know, you're starting to lose hope. You got your sister in there. That's kind of probably makes things a little bit confusing, you know, in some ends and just like, oh, I have my sister here, but how long am I going to have her? You know, she's younger than me. She's probably going to be the first one to go. What was it like when you saw the family come in and choose her?
1: It was hard. I think. I think about it and it's ridiculous. I was like 13 and she's like six or mm-hmm. something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to adopt her when I get out of the system. Uh-huh. not even knowing what that I looks like. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And so when they came in and they're like, we want to adopt her. I was like, oh, dang, like there goes my plans. Like I I definitely felt some type of way. And yes. so they are amazing, great, sweet people. And I was terrible to them. I, not terrible. The, but, but at this point uh, you didn't
0: know that. You were scared for her. Yeah, I was scared yeah. for
1: her. I was mad. At, I felt like they were taking her away from me, basically. Like they weren't. Uh-huh being considerate of me at all so it was rough it was really hard
0: did I, I don't know but when she left did you go after her at any moment from when she left till the time that you were there by yourself did you try to find her or know where exactly she was at so you could possibly reconnect with her
1: no just be, just because the way cps works with siblings at least at that time you would i would get a visit with her every week
0: oh, so okay. no matter where okay. she was
1: like i knew she was in a foster home Got or it. your home. And then I don't know if you know this, but right up before she got adopted, we were placed in the same group home for like a couple months. Yeah. So she literally got placed into the same group home as me. I was like, oh, perfect. Like we're both here now. And like, she got
0: taken out of that group home you were in? When she got adopted. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that about the, the visitation. Mm-hmm. So say you were to turn 18. Was there a chance for you to try to go adopt her at that point? Or would that be a whole different process?
1: I feel like. It would not have gone through just in the fact that I didn't have anything to support me, Mm -hmm. her. I was literally only 18. She was like six years younger than me. Like the age difference wouldn't have, like it just wouldn't have worked. Little me didn't think about all that kind of stuff, but I don't think it would have worked out
0: that way at all. And so now, you know, we're sitting in a place to where your sister's with this family. Mm -hmm. Did the family ever go up to you and say, hey, or like try to maybe get to know you a little bit more since you were her sister? Yeah. What do they do?
1: Um, I remember when they, not them, but the people at the group on came in, told me that my sister wanted to be adopted. Okay. Um, and I was just, I got to that point where I was like, okay, if that's what she wants to do, like whatever. And then they came back to me they were like, hey, there's this couple wants to adopt her. They want to meet you too. And I was like, oh. absolutely not. No, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Send them away. Yeah. I was like, no, no, Take no. my sister. No,
1: I'm good. But thanks for letting me know. Um, but my and house.
0: you're 15, 13.
1: 14? 14. 14. And so. My house parent at the time, she was awesome. She's like, no, you need to go meet them. Like, it'll be good. So I remember I met them and they asked me like questions about myself. And I was just like one worded, like, yep, no, nope, cool. And I remember leaving thinking like, okay, they seem like really nice people, but like, we'll see if it works out this time type
0: of thing. So how long did it take for them to come back and make that initiation of we want you to come home?
1: I'm not too sure. Like that time frame is kind of weird. I remember okay. meeting them and then I know that, before my sister got adopted, I don't know if they were trying to figure out if they wanted to or if they were just waiting on like legal stuff because legal stuff and foster care takes so long. But whenever they would take her on visits, they would take me, too. And so I think there was that time frame of like 14 to 15 where I was getting to know them or they were trying to get to know me. And I was like so closed off. Um, I would say the summer before my junior year of high school is when I started like sleeping over there. And that's when they had started bringing up the idea of me living with them. Um they actually just wanted to know if I wanted to be like fostered by them, like move in with them. Right. Um, and I think they asked me like at least 10 times and I said, no, 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 no. And I think a huge part of that was due to fear because I was like, yeah, I've never been in a healthy family. I already have this plan for myself. Like I'm too scared. Like I, I felt like I didn't have enough hope in me to say yes, if that makes
0: sense. No, it makes total sense from the way you describe it. Especially if you know, you're 15 years old you, you got three years left, you know, in, in the system. And I'm sure you had a plan drawn out of what your life was going to look like. Maybe your sister's down the road, but you can't control what someone else's family has to say for her. So do you, can you remember what that plan was, you know, maybe counting up to the days that you were ready to be 18? What What was that looking like for you? Did you have jobs ready to go into? Were you working? Like, what did that look like?
1: Yeah. I didn't have a job at all. I had never had a job at that point, but, um, it's not like this in every state, but at that time there was a program for kids who were aging out of the system. Okay. Where they give you like a certain amount of money for like the first six months where you can oh, get like an apartment okay. and they help you find a job. And then after that, like you pretty much are on your own. So I was going to like apply for that program after I graduated high school. Um and I was gonna figure it out from there.
0: Let's see that's that's why I'm glad that we're talking about it because I feel like that's great information to know for people that, you know, maybe have friends in a foster care system or have their own you know, group home or whatever that looks like, because I feel like stuff like that's needed. It's Mm -hmm. like getting them ready to be successful in the real world, because why are we making sure these kids can't be set up for success, regardless if a family doesn't want them, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's very important that I think.
1: I mean, I think it's funny that you bring that up because I remember being in high school and of course I'm a sophomore. So I'm like, I really want to get my permit. I want to get my driver's license. You can't do that when you're in foster care at all. No, I didn't get my driver's license until after I was adopted. So you say like getting kids prepared yeah. and stuff, and it's like there's these certain rules that you just can't.
0: Why? But why is that?
1: I'm not too sure, honestly. I would have to look into it. But just knowing that, like, I wasn't able to. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> See, it's like one end. You know, you have them. Oh, we'll give me money for your apartment and for this and that. Oh, but you can't get your driver's license. So right. Figure that out on your own. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Uh. So the time? Do you do you have like a guesstimation of when that time frame was that you started to? Slowly give in to this family that was trying to, you know, push you to really show what their true colors were and mm-hmm. make it, I would say, comfortable t- for you to be able to make a decision based off of their actions and not just what you felt towards families in general.
1: Yeah, I would say it was probably that summer before my junior year of high school because I was over there all the time. I got to know them, who they were, and I think I was, I I think I'm still this way, but even as a kid at that time, I was like, you're going to tell me whatever you want, but. Uh I'm not going to believe you until I see it. it. So they're telling me they're going to take care of my sister and all this stuff. And I think I was able to see firsthand that they did love her. They're going to be with her no matter what. And I don't know. I think that made me feel more comfortable with them and make me want to be there.
0: You wanted to be, you wanted to be a good big sister. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Um, I think knowing how you are and how stubborn you are, I think it's, (laughs) I think it goes to show that the family that took you in was the right family. And I think we had that conversation, um, the same family that is still here, right? Mm -hmm. They're the same ones, the ones that adopted both of you are still today. Right. I think, I think God had a lot to do with that, you know, like, I think there was a path for sure that was drawn out for you guys. And Mm -hmm. what I was more shocked at was that they took you along with your sister like i see these movies all the time I'm like oh they're taking the young one the young ones are the money like that's where they want they want someone they can you know establish and grow and it seems like the older kids seem to always get the the shit end of the Mm stick but for them to take you i feel like they have their own kids right you mentioned how many kids do they have
1: um three of their own so it's crazy because there was one i think she was like four one was three and she was pregnant (laughs) so
0: wait wait what she was Oh, okay. she was pregnant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Went over my head. <laughs> Went over my head. Um, yeah, so just in that instance, like, for them to have their own family and still invest time, and out of all the kids, I always look at it as, like, out of all the kids, you two were them. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, the fact that you two were the ones that they wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Like, the only thing I can say, like, it comes to, like, is God. Like, yeah, definitely. I just think back onto, like, how everything, like, worked and until- to the way that my life was set up and just seeing like how he was there and like all those stages of life, like that's the only person I can like account it to.
0: Oh, easily. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm happy for you because I've seen met your mom a couple of times, but I see the way they like engage with you guys and just the family, I would say family oriented system they built for you guys. I think it's very important. And I saw that whenever, you know, we met, at the club and they ended up moving to Georgia mm-hmm. and how devastated you were. You know, I could tell how much that hurts you and how close you were with them. And at that time I feel like I knew you were adopted, but you don't ever seem to like people like us don't ever seem to realize like that's not their real family. They have not known them since birth. Mm-hmm. So for that short amount of time for you to have that effect of my family's leaving me, I think that's important. I think that's really special to see because I don't feel like a lot of, I don't feel like there are many adoptive parents out there that, treat their kids like they're their own
1: yeah and you know that's just one of my favorite things about them you know something i'm gonna try not to cry when i say it's it, all right but, You're, we already you know, talked she's and, probably gonna cry <laughs> but like moving in with them i was so here's the thing i was adopted at 17 but i moved in okay earlier but it took forever for all the legal stuff to go through but you know moving in wasn't perfect either like having to adapt to being in a home where obviously the home wasn't perfect, but it was a healthy home setting. Like having to adapt to that and me being me the way me being who I am, you know, I'm stubborn and stuff like it was very, very hard transition and knowing that like no, how many times like I would lie or push them away or do things hurtful, like they still chose to accept me. And then they always are saying like, we're always going to be on team Brittany no matter what. And so, yeah,
0: (laughs) that's really cool. What was the hardest thing to transition to when you moved into their house?
1: Um, I think accountability. Oh, I think accountability of handling things from my past and making a decision to move forward because no one has made me do that before. Yeah. Um, and having that like support. And even though it's a good thing to do, like it's hard to go through those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they, uh, do you think they were patient at you from the start when you came into their house with mm-hmm. obviously I mean, it sounds bad, but the baggage and the trauma and do you yeah. feel like they were regardless of holding accountable, but patient with you mm-hmm. to lead up to a, a place where you could be accountable for that.
1: Yeah. And I could tell there were times where they were probably like, we don't know what to do. Oh, she's too much right now. Like, but they handled it with grace and something that I also wasn't used to. was like, if they made a mistake, they would let me know like, Hey, like we've oh. never parented a teenager before. Like we made a mistake too. Like we're sorry. So
0: you're the oldest.
1: I am the oldest. Wow. Yeah. My youngest oldest. sister, there's like, she's in third grade. so there's like a huge age difference.
0: <laughs> I think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I always, and it, it doesn't just go back to parents, but anytime, you know, people that are, that have more experience that have the age over our heads to apologize for something that they may not have known was the right thing to do. I think mm-hmm. it's huge. And it says a lot about their character because we're not, we're we're not perfect. You know, we're all human beings. And right. I think sometimes older people, parents can still get caught up in just like we as kids can get caught up in I'm only right. I'm always right. And it's almost like a, a battle you fight with yourself internally, because it's like, you don't want to make it seem like you don't know what you're doing and you love that person or you love those family, family members of death. But as the one that thinks that they didn't do anything wrong or may have been confused about the reasoning behind the thing that you did, it does feel good to know that, Oh, they, they feel bad or they know that wasn't right you know cuz you have feelings yeah not to say your feelings can be hurt for no reason but i think it it's just a a clarity moment just to be like oh wow I'm like thank you like i appreciate that cuz i don't think you you ever had that with your situation Mm-mm. before that <sighs> it's a great story i love that story how uh, have i would say so your mom you know your mom brought out your characteristics in you how did these new people in your life, what what did they bring out in yourself that you never thought they could bring out?
1: Um, I think confidence in my abilities. Um, I think not having that love and affection from a young age mm-hmm. really destroyed my confidence Oh wow. so early on. And that really played like a whole part into, I mean, I'm not perfect even at it now, yeah. but really played a huge part into like the way that I grew up, like how I would like, step back from things and how i wouldn't partake in things or try to build relationships because it was too hard and i didn't feel like i had much to give and i feel like my adoptive parents have been able to say like yes like your life has been hard these things have happened but those things don't define you which sounds so basic and so simple but it's just something that i needed yeah. to learn and
0: stuff not as not as a 16 year old kid though yeah i mean it sounds it sounds corny to hear it now but i think we all need a reminder of that cuz it is important you know, I think we can get insecure about some stuff that we've never had enough love, enough care, enough attention for. But that shows in the actions that we, you know, portray to each other. So I don't know, man. They, they seem like great people. And I don't think I've officially like in person physically met them. But you could just tell how happy they make you. And like seeing your younger sisters, like sometimes I'll be like, they're so cute. They take you guys in, you know, obviously with uh, everything that's gone on. Now, a question that I wanted to ask you that pertained to this, you know, how was it you know, being black? Mm-hmm. How was it getting into a different culture and trying to mix your culture with what was going on with your new family?
1: It was so weird. I remember being like so embarrassed because I would get adop- I got adopted. Yeah. And then my family, of course, wanted to be at every single thing for okay. high school. Like they would show up at my football games, which hopefully they don't hear this, but they were so terrible. But they would come to every single game just to watch me do cheerleading. Or they would go uh-huh. to, like, award stuff. And I remember being so embarrassed because I was like, oh, my gosh, I look nothing like them. This is, like, yeah. weird. Um, so that was, like, kind of hard. And, like, people stare, obviously, because they, yeah. they don't see that kind of stuff. And so oh. it was kind of hard for me to, like, deal with that just because it was,
0: like, Did you get any type of bullying from that?
1: Not bullying, but, you know, people would be like, this is why you sound white. Or this is why I oh. act this. yeah. And I was like, well, I've well, been with Mexican, them for... are aren't they? Well, my mom is uh, half Hispanic, okay. half Irish, but, yeah. Oh. So... I don't know, just like ignorant comments. <laughs> things
0: yeah. <like> that. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question to ask because mm-hmm. I mean, I've, being Mexican and being black are very strong cultures. Not to say there's not any other cultures out there that you can be strong in, but there's just so many differences, like so many things that are so far left field and right field, but also so many things that are pretty similar, mm-hmm. but it's just the fact of knowing and having the education behind it. Um, do you have a lot of like education behind your Irish background or I would say your Irish background because that's your family, not necessarily blood, but nothing.
1: No, I did ask for,
0: uh, I did. saw I, I saw that. Yeah.
1: What is it called? Like uh,
0: ancestry ancestry, ancestry thing. I, I would be interested. in. That. I mean, I
1: wouldn't get that side obviously, but right. yeah. I but but think I think it's
0: cool because you were open to learning the culture that they brought to their mm-hmm. family. Whereas I don't know how it works out with some people like that. I don't know if I believe in, you know, I don't not saying that I believe in, but I don't know what the right way would to be to go about adopting a kid. Like a kid's a kid, man. Mm -hmm. You're molding them to be your kid in a way, but to bring in like cultures and ethnicities and all that other stuff, food, religion, all that stuff you want to, I feel like that must be such a challenge for someone that is, that was as old as you that probably already had their own preferences their own you know, maybe religion, their own, whatever that looked like. Yeah. Uh. So who who got you more invested in your faith?
1: Um. I would say both my parents. My dad okay. w- was a pastor at the time that I was adopted. And so it's just crazy how like a God works because I was going to like a Christian camp when I was going okay. to a group home and I was interested in my faith, but I didn't really take it seriously. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until after I got adopted that like, I made it like my own. And they had a huge part in that for sure.
0: Do you cherish that?
1: I do. I think that's a lot of how like, I identify myself okay. um, and the way that I live my life. So,
0: And that's how you met people down the road. Yeah. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. I mean, if I didn't, like, I don't think I would have met like my best friend.
0: Yeah, obviously. Other people. Yeah. No. And I, it's, it's great to hear because like I said, I think stuff like that can get so complicated, you know, maybe not being open-minded to it or maybe pushing something too far to the limit to where it's like, yes, you got to realize that they're, they're going to generate their own form of whatever they want to form at that age, you know, being that old and seeing reality for something totally different than the parents have. So I think it is appreciative of, of people like that to still invest time into those kinds of things because it is important. I feel like that was deep. Like that was like some counseling type shit. It was. That was, I feel good now. Do you feel good? Do you I feel do. better? I won't I'm charge intrigued. you. I won't charge you for this.
1: <laughs> okay, good. <laughs>
0: Regardless, you know, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're sitting with me. And it's been a few years since I've ever thought about having, you know, you on the podcast. And you never asked why. I wonder, I wonder why is that?
1: I mean, I just figured you were saving the best for last or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly,
0: right. That's what it was. But tell me, I want to know about your perception and what your side of it was when we met
1: like what i thought of you
0: or just like well like what 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 was it like you know what was it like whenever i came into your life at the time i did
1: i feel like you came into my life at a vital time honestly i probably have never told you this but like no you haven't <laughs> i just graduated college i was new in a position at work and i found out i was going to be over two people and i was like
0: did they tell you how old we were no
1: I thought y'all were
0: in high school. Oh. I didn't
1: know until I brought you guys that's in. That's interesting. Yeah, until y'all brought y'all were brought in.
0: So I'll tell the story. <laughs> and She brings up a good point because mm-hmm. I think that's, that shares a lot of what kind of environment we're in. But, you know, I met Brittany in 2019. Mm-hmm. I was obviously still going to school. I think I had a couple of years left, a year and a half left. I hated a lot of my life at that time. I hated the situation I was in, regardless of what. I feel like... That was a time where I wanted to really just kind of reinvent myself, you know, just with everything that was going on in my life. And I landed this job at the club, you know, working at the boys and girls club and it was great, you know, great. I would say it really showed my interest in what being a part of youth, you know, and youth building and trying to show a bigger cause for what we do. And the work that we're doing is more of an impact for not only our kids, but the community, and that really that humbled me a lot in many ways. And I do say that with um with a lot of pride. But we had just gotten rid of our our last teen coordinator. And you know, I'm working on the on the teen center teen side. We're working with 12 twelve, twelve to I think at the time we had maybe a sixteen-year-old. We didn't have that many teenagers, but I mean I enjoyed my job. I love coming to work and you know, I had we had one employee, one other staff member. I was working alongside me, and then that was it for two months. Well, they bring on this person, and they're like, hey, we found you guys a new teen coordinator. You know, she's great. She's worked with kids before. She's this, she's that. And we're just like, cool, like, let's meet her. At this time, you know, the person that's um, my coworker, she's about 25, 26 years old. And here comes, you know, Brittany walking in, and it was crazy because it was on a field trip that's the first time I saw you I think Tori talked to you in an interview mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. I'll, I'll cross that out <laughs> um, I think she talked to you in the in the interview uh-huh. but I remember seeing you for the first time like at the little thing we were doing Shut the up. field trip mm-hmm. And all the kids were just like,
1: Mind you, they literally told me just to show up. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. They bring you in the van and at this guys, teens are just like, they're teens. You know, I love them to death. She loves them to death. Like at this time, they do not want to see anyone else come in or leave. Mm-hmm. They don't want people leaving them. And that's like you mentioned, you know, why am I going to give a family another chance if they're just going to kind of, any just, kind of change is not right. <laughs> so I understood kind of where they're coming from. Um, So she walks in and, I remember there's three, four particular girls and a few of our boys just like, oh, (laughs) I started laughing. I thought it was funny, but I think I thought it was cool how you still showed up, you know, regardless if it was your time or not. But like you still gave them a shot in a way you didn't have to.
1: Yeah. Oh, I remember that day. So clearly I was so nervous. I wasn't even nervous about being there like with you and the other staff. I was nervous about being with the teens. Like, yeah. Because I remember myself as a teen, and I was like, "Oh gosh, I was, not.
0: At, was that the oldest you worked with at that mm-hmm. point?" Oh okay, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I think before that, I had worked with like elementary school students, and so mm-hmm. I was like, "I have no idea how to work with teens." Like, I have a sister, and you were a, a club,
0: you're a club kid too.
1: I was a club kid, yeah. I went for a couple years in Tucson, good old Tucson.
0: How would you describe that moment? You know, working your first three months with the teens that we had. How would you describe the mess?
1: if any of them are watching this i'm just kidding um it was rough i don't know it was so hard they pushed me they really did like they wanted to see if i was gonna last i feel like that summer was absolutely insane yeah just the most out-of-pocket crazy stuff happened um and you know there'd be times where they would come up straight to me and be like "Shut the fuck up (laughs) i don't like you don't talk to me don't talk to me how Um, old are you mm -hmm. and i think like i just stuck through and the biggest thing was like, I wasn't coming in to change things, but I was coming in to make things better. And there wasn't a lot of structure. And so when they saw that, they were like, be for real right now. So yeah,
0: (laughs) it was a time just to add on that. I think she described it perfectly. It was a time of the teens ran whatever they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I think at this point it was like, I was still new to the role where I was like, not trying to be the guy that's doing too much. And I wasn't trying to be the guy that's not doing enough. So I will say that working with teens or kids in general that are coming into you that don't really have structure. It's very intimidating at first because you don't want to push them to the level to where they hate you, but you don't want to let them walk all over you. And yeah, I feel like you are. had that good, happy medium. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I got along so well with you was because you weren't afraid to tell them when they were wrong and you were going to make sure that you stayed consistent in telling them when they were wrong. And I think that's huge because I did the same thing with them where, you know, a few of them didn't like me for weeks, months, and then it came down to only one, not liking me for a couple months and then mm-hmm. actually talking to them. But with the way you came in, I think it was perfect because you weren't trying to control the show and you gave us the trust as coworkers and not really saying like, Oh, I'm your guy's boss. So do this while I just sit in my office all day. Mm -hmm. And I think that was great just to work under you and just see that because I gained respect for you a lot, a lot faster than I feel like maybe other people did or could have not.
1: Yeah. And I feel like you guys, were a huge part in it being i mean not easy but easier um just because i could tell that they respected you guys and that they um cared about what you all had to say and so having your guys support was also helpful to you and i think in that transition um and of course like whenever i go into any situation like i like to observe before i do anything and i was able to observe like you know these staff, like m- even though it's not as structured, they're doing literally the best that they can do with what yeah. they're given with, and that's awesome. So let's try to make it better. So y'all helped out a lot
0: too. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So back to the age thing, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell us how old you were. <laughs> I thought, not even looking at you, I was just like, okay, she's probably in her thirties. I'm twenty, twenty one, twenty two. Where were we? Twenty one? Like twenty yeah. two. Twenty two. Twenty two at the time. So I'm like, know. if she's a, if she's a. Because, well, the one before that was like 33, 35. So I was like, okay, she's in her 30s, whatever. You show up and I'm like, mm, I don't think she's in her 30s. Like, can we get a birth certificate? check Is she not <laughs> supposed to be in the teens? No, I'm just kidding. Like, um, don't crack, though, too. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they told us, and I don't know why they told us. I don't think it was that big of a deal for us to know how old you were, but I think it was a big deal for you to know how old we were. And it was such a shock. I will say that I was like connecting dots, connecting conversations that were had previously before you were applying and doing all that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so what, whatever, whatever it is, but that wasn't my job to go to you and treat you in a differently. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I enjoyed working there. I enjoyed it so much to where, a lot of the reasons why I stayed was because I understood what it meant to stay for kids. Mm-hmm. Every time I heard my mom talk or like other people talk about being educators or working with kids, like I don't stay for anyone else, but the kids, I'm like, bro, oh, for some kids, like you stay for some kids. No, they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. They're going to go to the next grade, the next one. And then I really got invested into childcare work. And I was like, Oh, this is why I'm staying. Mm-hmm. This is why I was here for two and a half years because these kids did something for me that I don't think they, any other job could have done for me at the time. And I appreciate that. So I really, I really enjoyed, you know, having you as a leader because I think it taught me a lot of what it was like to come into something that was definitely rebuilt from only what you initiated that. And I really prided you in that because I don't feel like you had a lot of support on your end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why are you acting weird?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, you're right. Like, I, I don't know if I, I wouldn't say I didn't have a lot of support. I would just say like, there was a lot of things I didn't really understand, but I also didn't really ask for clarification.
0: I would say support in terms of like, it was just here, Brittany, see what you can do with it, oh, with yeah, everything sure. else that you had. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the support I'm talking about because we supported you completely. You know, we had your back regardless, but I think the support of just seeing, you know, stepping into the workforce and just knowing that there are ways to, like, hey, this is how you do this. This is mm-hmm. how this stuff happens or whatever. Yes, you're correct. Et cetera. That wasn't mm-hmm. given to you. And you just kind of like, we believed you because we're like, oh, well, I guess this is how we do things because yeah. we're just going to roll with it. Mm-hmm. And that made it easier to like have confidence in you, like, oh, we can go to her for stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There would be times when y'all would be like, well, why are we doing it this way? And I'll be like, it's a good question. Yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah. We're going to try and we're going to figure it but out. To
0: the point. Exactly. To the point for, you know, your mom or your dad to apologize to you. Like, Hey, I don't know why, like, I don't know why I did that, but I know I was wrong. You gave us that same respect. And I think again, it leads to being a a dominant and I feel like not only dominant, but very skillful leader and having that trust and respect. And I always trusted you. I always respected you as I know if I'm not okay with this, I can tell her and Mm -hmm. she will talk to whoever she needs to talk to with getting something maybe realigned, changed or a process like upheld or this kid needs to be out you know like we they're causing too much yeah and that was huge for you but what do you think was probably the most exciting part about your days working there
1: um i would say like you said like it's the kids um i feel like working with kids and working with teens like of course there's so similarities but there's also huge differences right And I feel like when you see the change in a teenager's life, like, it's so encouraging to see, like, those times where I spent crying in my office or going to my boss's office so frustrated or having this kid yell at me to having them see, like, wow, they're going to graduate from high school. Uh I helped them get their first job. Like, it's just so rewarding to see that, like, when you are just yourself and you are respectful to teens, because that's the only way that teens are going to listen to you if you respect them. And just knowing that like me doing my best and being who I am and being genuine is enough to help these kids. Like that was, that was like my favorite part.
0: Oh, definitely. I agree with everything. You and said. I think that's what
1: was, that was the hardest part about leaving was like,
0: right. Right. Yeah. Just having those strong ties with them. And it was yeah. like, our kids still had maybe a few, two years left with you. Mm-hmm. And I can pretty much piggyback and say the same thing. It was, we were hard on them. Like, You and I, you know, for that time that we were left working with each other, like we were definitely the ones that they did not want to get to. Mm -hmm. And they knew that if they got to us, it was, oh, shit, this is real. Yeah. And I think the most rewarding thing that I took from it, I'm going to start crying now. Mm -hmm. Are you going to cry? Are we? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Was knowing that when I was upset with them, you know, uh, one of the boys and one of the girls that they would still look at me kind of in the eye and just be like, fuck, I just messed up. Mm-hmm. Like just sulk, like not, not to be like that guy. That's like, Oh yeah, they know they did wrong, but it was almost like, they know that they let us down. Yeah. You know, they know that what they did wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And we viewed them differently for that at that moment. And they weren't, they didn't want us to do be that way mm-hmm. because regardless if they got the attention at home or they got the love at home, They knew that they were coming to the club and getting that attention, that love, and that discipline that kids need. Mm -hmm. They need, you know, regardless of what that looks like to the T, I think there needs to be a a happy medium with what kids are allowed and not allowed Mm -hmm. to do. And I can only, you know, say thank you to that for my parents because they taught me what it was like to have that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And to share that with them, it was our hardest, toughest kids loved us the most. Yeah. And how does that make sense? Like, <laughs> we're yelling at them or we're making them go home. Like, we send kids home. Like, I'm, t- I'm telling you guys right now, we would send kids home an hour after they got out of the vans.
1: You were like, not going to tea night for a month.
0: A month? <laughs> like. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, it was just, again, the rewarding part of working with you and having that, like, trust that. Hey, Britt, I'm just not feeling the best today, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what this is, but I don't feel like I can go in there. You know what time I do yeah. remember is a time that I got in one of our kids' face and I yelled at him. Mm-hmm. Did I tell
1: you about that? I think so.
0: It was, I think it was that, oh, it was that Lynn. Mm-hmm. And I got in his face and I yelled at him. And I told you, I was like, Britt, I messed up. Mm-hmm. Like, I yelled at him yeah and i wasn't like just like a yell i got in his face and mm-hmm. i could have probably gotten written up truthfully mm-hmm. and i told you and i think you the way you handled it it really was like oh shit like she has my back you know
1: you go apologize to him first off
0: but right exactly <laughs> no you basically just said honestly i appreciate you for telling me but you need to go fix it mm-hmm. you know go fix it and whatever happens after that it happens like you made that decision and now you just gotta live mm-hmm. with it and I appreciated that because you gave me the chance to go fix it with him before I got anywhere. I mean, it didn't. Yeah. Luckily, you know, and I
1: think that also just allows you to build that relationship with that kid too. Yeah. Being like, Oh wow. Mr. Fobbs messed up. He admitted it. And like, I respect him for that. Right. And there were times where I would be in a teen room losing my mind and I'd come back 20 minutes later and be like, Hey guys, like <laughs> I'm having a bad day. I should not have taken it out on you. Like, I'm sorry. And I think it all just comes down to like, your heart and what you yeah. do because it could have been easy for a kid to a teen to be doing something crazy at teen night and for me to go and yell at them and just be like go away yeah. but instead of having that conversation of being like this is what you, what you did was wrong but let's talk about like why you did this let's have let's be intentional and i think not everyone can do that and so i no. commend you for being able to do that especially with teens because it's I know you saw some crazy stuff too.
0: It was wild. Yeah. It was a wild time to be alive. Um, I think again, it grounded me in some ways because I was going into that with never really working in a consistent like job for longer than a few months or whatnot. But it really taught me a lot and how to handle situations like that. And like I said, it was cool to see how, you know, certain kids would start one way with you and then they just grew into these completely different people. And even now, like when we go back, we'll see them and it's just it sucks because it's not the same, but it's almost like, dude, you really turned into a man or a woman yeah. and to pride in it is it was because of us, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we knew we touched that kid in a way that he or she will appreciate the rest of their lives. Right. and I think it's, I think it's needed to move forward with, but you know, looking, looking forward to kind of what you're doing now. Um, what has been the joy in that, you know, in that role that you play in in kids' lives?
1: Yeah. So in my new position, I've only been there since July. I'm kind of more um, in the back. So I have a lot more staff who are hands on with the kids, um, but I'm a lot in like the planning phases of like camps and field trips and stuff. And something that I've loved is it's a different, I don't know, atmosphere. So I went from working at a boys and girls club after school summer to let's say uh, Parkinson recreation. And so it's very specific in what we do. Um, it's a lot more laid back. And so it's been really exciting getting to plan that kind of stuff and seeing kids just, like just enjoy it and okay. having um, a lot of staff. Like I think this last summer I had about like 15 staff. That oh, wow. That's I needed. Awesome. To, yeah. And so it's been really cool to, you know, pair staff with like specific camps and things like that. And then I can go down to camps whenever I want to, too to play with them and hang out, which I love.
0: Do you enjoy the having more say in what they get to do mm-hmm. more or do you feel like it's just i do because it's rewarding ex- the experience you did with everything you did was a reward with doing what you do now
1: yeah i think it's just because i love seeing kids do a whole bunch of well-rounded things yeah. like i love seeing kids doing stuff that are active you know stem activities things like that like i just love knowing that like the service that we're providing to kids is like beneficial oh, like being able to like be a part of that is great
0: It's fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's been so challenging for me is, you know, stepping away from working at a boys and girls club when I got over here, the hardest part was like, I don't feel like there's a part of my life that is fulfilled in stepping in the community with Mm -hmm. kids and just hanging out with them, not even trying to teach them something, just hanging out with them. And I think, you know, to know that you, you fell into this kind of world and it was not really falling into it. It was you're destined to do this kind of work. You know, you enjoy doing it and I can tell, you enjoy doing it, but for you to be in a place that you're well staffed with you you have the trust and the love and support from your coworkers and your your higher ups mm-hmm. you needed that, yeah, you know as your friend, I know that you needed somewhere to really thrive and be yourself in, and I feel like that you know comes and goes with different roles, but I can see you as yourself now mm-hmm. as you delivering a hundred percent work that is good content for these kids, yeah. And I, and I and I love that for you again. I think it's important. I really do. Um. But to to now move into you know you're in Atlanta. Been there for a year and a half year.
1: A year in March.
0: A year in March and February. And it's just you're crazy. evolving, dude. You're yeah. you're literally evolving again. What has Georgia taught you?
1: um georgia has taught me to slow down <laughs> and to enjoy things i think it's i think about all the things i was doing when i was living in new mexico and yeah. it's absolutely insane i'm like no wonder all stressed out yeah. and depleted and i felt like i don't know just like dry if that makes sense I like i just this. felt like so tired georgia has taught. i don't know if it's just because it's a transition phase so it's forced me to be patient with like finding a job meeting people making connections um It's taught me a lot, yeah, just to slow down and enjoy things. And that's been really great this past couple months.
0: It's nuts, huh? Mm-hmm. You move into like a bigger city where you try to do the stuff that you did in the past, it almost like bites you in the ass. In a yeah, way. for sure. I learned that when I moved over here. And I think I was telling you that like every time you would ask, like, how I'm doing, like, you grow up in a sense. And that's why I always tell people, like, if it wasn't for me moving out here, if it wasn't for you for moving to Georgia, I don't think I would be in a place to where I can say that I've matured in a lot of different ways. than I matured when I moved back home, mm-hmm. you know, I relied on a lot of people. I had my family home. And sometimes it's almost like you need to step away. Well, you did, you did step away. You're getting closer to your family, but same point is you learned yourself when you stepped into a faster paced environment. Right. And that's what it comes down to. You know, we would go out, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And it was it was needed at the time or not needed, it was something to do. Right. But I can't do that anymore, dude. Like <laughs> I tried. Totally no. You know, I tried my first year here <laughs> and I got into some shit with it. Like yeah. it just wasn't healthy. But I can I can truthfully say that mm-hmm. like I'm happy you're back with your family.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel like that could honestly be like a whole another podcast like Adults who have moved out of like their hometown or a place where they went to college and like having to adjust, like it's hard. I don't think it gets talked about a lot. Like people think it's so easy to like just move. It's not. It's like it's it's scary. It's scary.
0: It's hard. I'll tell you this right now. Like I told you, you know, we are sitting here, literally forty eight, little less than forty eight hours away from twenty twenty three, which this is going to be dropped in twenty twenty three. But dude, I spent New Year's Eve by myself in my apartment two years ago. I'm going to cry down. I'm crying. No, I'm <laughs> but it's like, that's real shit. Yeah. That's real shit of moving. You know, you're stepping away from, oh, knowing who has the bottles, knowing who can get you a table, knowing who can get you in free or cut the line at bars, right. doing this, get you this job, get you this money, to stepping into an uncomfortable environment and literally having a bottle next to you while you're watching New Year's Eve, the countdown mm-hmm. on your TV that's on the fucking floor <laughs> and drinking for the New Year because you're just happy to be. In a place that you love, in a place that you're learning more about yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's a sacrifice, but it is a bunch of gains in Mm -hmm. your gain that I've seen so far, which is the biggest gain I've seen. You fell in love with the gym. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You weren't in love with the gym when I knew you. Like you'd go, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm a gym brah or gym girl and i have shaker cups and a bag and a belt it's like
1: me and the gym are like talking at the point yeah, yeah. we're like we're together for sure <laughs> exactly
0: and that's kind of like the last five to ten minutes that i wanted to cover with you was you know how has that become such a big priority for you now and now stepping into 2023 we'll start with what made you like fully say i'm 100 percent commit to the gym when you got to atlanta
1: i think It was me getting to a point where I truly believed like for me that like my health and what made me happy was being committed to it. Got it. So I think, you know, I would mess around throughout college, even like post-college, like going to the gym in and out. I like liked it, but I was going for all of the wrong reasons. Uh And I don't think it was until probably actually a little bit before I moved where I was like, Okay, like you need to reevaluate while you're doing this. Like right. you're like between this, you're in this in-between stage where you love doing it, but then for some reason you back out when you don't get what you want. And so um, it really took me moving away, getting out of some of those toxic situations. Um, and like you said, like not knowing anybody, like all I really had to do was go to the gym. And I guess, like I said, getting to a place within myself where I was content with who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, and just really enjoying it. So I hired a coach and yeah, it's been great.
0: Do you think, and don't take this negatively, but mm-hmm. do you think seeing people that look better than you drove you to a place to where it's like, I know I can look better for myself?
1: Yeah. And I think definitely, right? Yeah. I can think a year ago from today, like I was like 15 pounds lighter and I was like, I thought I was like at the top of my fitness journey. Like I thought it was mm-hmm. doing good. And then I think back and I was like, definitely was not eating enough was going, doing way too much cardio. I was drinking so much. That's why I wasn't hungry. Like just thinking about like how unhealthy I was and being like, wow, like you still weren't happy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I think getting to a place where it's like, I am so tired of being unhappy. Like I need to make that decision for myself to choose me, which is hard for me to do. Yeah. Personally.
0: (laughs) No. And I appreciate you. Appreciate you for sharing that because it's important to know that sometimes again, back to the whole moving wherever across states or just an unfamiliar, unfamiliar territory. It gives you that sense of competitiveness and, oh shit, these people actually have their shit together or look like they have their shit mm-hmm. together. Cause I was the same way as you is, you know, I came here and I was like, I mean, I got abs, you know I got a pretty decent body. I played baseball. Like I, I look good. I'm content with how I look right. and I'd go to the gym and I'd see these dudes that are just like 15 pounds heavier with the same body. And I'm all, nah, this isn't it. I'm the, skinniest one in here now like I don't I don't like that Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like we talked about I did it for myself because I know I had more potential to be more along the lines of looking the way I want to without just being content in oh I look good I know that I look like this and maybe not a lot of other dudes look like this but it wasn't that it was more than that it was like I truly enjoyed going to the gym because I was doing stuff that I had never done before and actually fell in love with. You know, seeing a difference in my body Mm -hmm. and learning the education behind it more. Finding a gym brand that I actually like to wear or actually like to, you know, to support. I feel like it goes a long way.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, not even just like being comfortable and like how I look or, but I think seeing that like my whole health and fitness journey is more than just the gym, but like how I'm feeling. Yeah. And like, like I said, like I have a coach. And so, you know. Something that I really love about her is that I don't focus. She doesn't just focus on my workouts. Like we mm-hmm. focus on my mental health, my gut health, like all that kind of stuff that I was lacking in before. Yeah. And it's been really great to see those things like transform um, into a way where it's like trusting the process and it's kind of scary, but in the end, like it's been great.
0: And that's, that's huge. Cause it plays a whole part. You know, you can't have one without the other, like eating only helps you so much if you're going to the gym just as much a gym helps you going you know to eating Mm -hmm. whatever you're you're trying to eat i've learned that you know going out even twice a weekend is is not healthy Mm -hmm. i feel so much better when i wake up on a sunday morning and get the full seven eight hours of sleep i feel so much better when i have three quality meals that were made at home with the amount of oil that i can control the amount of salt pepper whatever that is Mm and drinking a full gallon of water. Oh my gosh, dude. I wake up feeling like a million bucks mm-hmm. and I'm like, I want to have more days like that than I want to have waking up and looking skinny with a six-pack and looking good. Right. So, I can I, I can definitely relate. But I know this is going to be a little bit of pressure. But obviously, you know, talking about 2023, what what are some things that we can look forward to seeing you do this year that you're happy to share?
1: Yeah, so like I said, I signed up for a coach, um, bodybuilding. So hopefully a year from now, I'll be here doing okay. another podcast in okay. prep for Ooh, a competition. Down, <laughs> yeah, I would love to compete. Um, okay. So right now, I'm not in a prep stage at all. I'm just in a, right, um, right now, I'm in a mass building phase if we're going to be specific.
0: But that's good because you're yeah. not one of those like, oh, I want to compete. So I'm just going to do it. a show in five months and right. then completely... Three or 180 your whole yeah, regimen or whatever that looks like. Yeah,
1: so right now I'm learning. You know, I have my workouts that I've had for like months, very consistent, and then of course, just getting used to like tracking my macros, stuff like that, getting comfortable with everything before I get into a prep phase. So, um, I'm not even gonna say knock on wood, I'm gonna say I will be in prep. Ooh, she
0: said I will, I love that. No, <laughs> I will be
1: in prep a year oh, yeah. from now. And so, I'm really excited for that, honestly. Um, it was like a big decision for me to choose to do that, but I know I can be consistent and do so.
0: And lastly, to end with, what would you tell someone else that is watching this or listening to this? What kind of advice would you have for someone that is maybe going through, you know, the stuff that you went through in your life or just in general where you're at now?
1: Um, I mean, it's going to sound so cliche, but again, like it gets better you know, who you are right now or what people have said, like, does not define who you are, or who you're going to be. You need to make those steps in order for you to be happy. And sometimes those steps mean you moving across the country, leaving that job, whatever it may be, but it's worth it because I don't know, we only have this one life and you can either continue to live this way where you're unhappy over and over again, or you can choose to, Find something that's hard anyway, and better yourself. So, I don't know. It just gets better. Support yourself. I mean, not support yourself. That's not what I meant to say. Surround yourself with people who you know love and care for you. And.